Good morning, everybody. Since I was sort of preparing for today's homily, I struggled with the parable and the seeming message of the parable that no matter what we pray for, we ask very fervently, clearly, God will not only answer, but he will answer speedily. I think most of us will say, from our own experience, this simply doesn't appear to be true. We can make the argument that, well, what we're praying for was not God's will, and we can do all of these different sort of ways of spiritually realigning things, but the fact of the matter is, it still is disappointing. It makes us frustrated because it seems that the parable in Christ's lesson is not in accord with our experience. But as I begin praying about it and reflecting on it a bit more, begin to look at the actual context of the uh, parable, actually the text of the parable, and realize that maybe there was another question that I and all of us should have been asking to deeply understand what Jesus is trying to say. And that is looking at what exactly the widow is asking for. She's not just praying. She's not just asking the unjudged judge for anything. She's asking for something very specific. Now, I'm not a Greek scholar. Even if I was at 7 a.m., I probably wouldn't be very good at it. But I went and looked at the Greek, the original language of the text. And so whenever it says here in this translation, which is the New American Bible, that she asked the judge to render a decision for her against her um, adversary, the Greek word is ekdikeo, ekdikeo. In other translations, it is translated as vindicate, to vindicate. And what does this mean? It means basically to speak up for, to vindicate. And the root word is actually dik, D-I-K, which if we look at our Latin, dicere or dicare, our English, to dictate or dictation. It means to speak. Diction is how we speak or how we express certain words. It's this word that is actually used four times in this parable. But yet, for whatever reason, the translators chose to translate it as to secure the rights of or to render a just decision. But the original Greek means to vindicate. To vindicate against my adversary. Now, again, no, no Greek, but I know enough about etymologies. Looking at that word for adversaries, anti-dikos, which means anti-against, to speak against. One who accuses the other person. And so what she's really technically asking for is to ask the judge to speak up for me, to advocate for me in the face of or against my accuser, the one who speaks against me. That's the very, very specific prayer that we see in today's gospel. And the one that Jesus is ultimately saying that we ought to be praying. Now we can take a step back and say, well, who is my accuser? Traditionally, in Scripture, 
The accuser is none other than Satan, the evil one who stands as the accuser, accusing God's just ones. And I'm sure that we all have had experience of being accused, maybe by others, but interiorly of feeling accused from the accuser, from the self-critic who points the finger and says, you're no good, you're not loved, you're not lovable, you're irredeemable, critiquing ourselves, ripping ourselves to shreds that God cannot love you. And so often, this is the voice that we hear more than any else, the voice of the accuser. And so what Jesus is saying is we need to get out of our heads and speak up and ask the Lord to speak the truth against the accuser, to speak the truth about who we are and who we are created to be, to counter the lies that accuse us and drag us down. And so that's the question. Do we ever pray that? Whenever we're trapped in our heads, whenever we listen, nothing else to the voice of the accuser, are we ever able to say, Lord, I need you to speak some truth into the situation. I need you to stand for me, to vindicate me, to speak for me against the accuser, to get out of our heads. This is the prayer that Jesus is asking us to pray. In fact, he's the one telling us to pray this and to do it consistently and to do it boldly, believing that Jesus will speak, that he will vindicate us against the accuser. But then if we believe this is the case, how do we know the voice of Jesus? How do we recognize him when he is answering the prayer, this very specific prayer, as he says he will? And I think the first thing that we've got to understand, it's something that I've said many, many times over the past several years, we recognize the voice of Jesus because Jesus never accuses. He never accuses. He may call us to a deeper conversion, but the Lord is never there to say, you're terrible, you're unlovable, I can't believe you did this. You're never going to find an example of that in the Gospels. The woman is caught in adultery. He says, I forgive you. Now go and sin no more. Get up. He doesn't condemn Peter. He doesn't accuse. Christ is there to speak life. And so we know what his voice is not whenever we hear the voice of the accuser. We know it can't be the Lord. And so we should cast that voice out. The second point is something that I believe is very true, that while the Lord can indeed speak directly to us, and he might do so in prayer, we may hear his voice or hear a movement in our hearts, rather he ends up normally speaking through others, particularly through other people that he has put into our lives. A loved one or even potentially a stranger who comes to speak truth into our lives, that he uses as an instrument. And so when we hear their voice, and we feel that movement in our hearts, then we are called to know that it is the Lord. But so often we just want that direct revelation. 
And the Lord is trying to speak to us to the people he's put around us, the, the voices, the prophets, but we are unwilling to listen to it. He normally speaks through other people. But how do we dispose ourselves to hear this? Of course, through prayer. But I think more importantly, we have to ask ourselves, when we speak, are we acting as the accuser? Always nitpicking other people, accusing them of things, putting them down, or rather, are we the channel of the Lord's voice, building them up, speaking the truth into their lives, calling them to a deeper conversion? Because if we're on the accusation frequency, chances are we're not going to be able to hear the Lord whenever he speaks on the vindication frequency. And the truth is, if we learn to tune in, if we speak the truth, if we pay attention, we are going to hear the Lord's voice. And probably we're going to hear it quite speedily. We just need to listen. So this is what I ask you to do. It's part of put this to the test. Take some time to think, what is the main lie that we are tempted to believe about ourselves? The main one that the evil one tends to speak into us, to tell us about who we are, about our state, our situation in life. And recognize the voice of the accuser and then say, Lord, I want you to speak the truth to vindicate me against this accusation. Because I know you will. And then begin to prepare to listen to the Lord speak. God willingly will and it won't take long. I'm not one normally to tell my own personal stories, but I'm going to tell a story of how this happened actually exactly a year ago today. I moved to New Orleans and... I had begun to believe a lie, and it wasn't because I was afraid of being carjacked, although I guess that's quite possible, that I was not safe. I was there in a new city, didn't know a lot of people, but spiritually, that I wasn't safe. And that was the accusation. Something was going to happen. Bad was going to happen to me. And I remember I was at the chapel, and again, for those here who may know me, I'm a little ADD, and so I began thinking in my head this song lyric that came from a song called I Will Exalt Thee. And the refrain is, you are my uh, hiding place, my safe refuge, my Savior Lord you are. Now granted, it's great when a Christian song comes into my head that often doesn't happen, but something struck me. I didn't know why that song was in my head. In fact, I texted it to a friend of mine and said, it's crazy. The song is in my head. I know this song means something. Granted, thinking it was the Lord trying to say something to me. But again, I don't usually believe or trust the voice of the Lord in my head. So afterwards, I went, and we're about ready to have dinner, and I went to my uh, room, and I looked at my phone to check my messages. And I had a message, text message, from a friend of mine who lives in Ohio, very attuned to the Spirit. And it was, it was a file. It was actually an audio file. It doesn't send audio files. And I listened to it, and guess what? It was that song. And it was her singing that song. So I was like, what in the world is going on here? So I texted her. I said, well, what are you doing? Why, why didn't you sing this song? She just thought that. I was just doing my holy hour. At the same time, I was doing my holy hour. And... 
the Lord just told me to get up and play this song and record it on the piano and send it to you. And so I took a picture of the other text message that I sent and said, listen to this. The Lord put that song in my, my mind just a few minutes ago. And what was the, the refrain of the song? You are my hiding place, my safe refuge. It was the Lord saying, it's going to be okay. Don't believe the lies. He spoke very, very quickly. I'm not saying exactly how the Lord may answer your prayers, but the fact of the matter is, we have to have faith that if we pray, specifically this prayer, whenever we are listening to the lies to get out of our head, speak to the Lord and say, I need you to vindicate me. I need you to speak truth into the lies that I can live in the light of who I am and who you created me to be. Amen.